Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome in to Batter Up. Caleb Johnson with my co-host Joe Patrick here. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing good, Caleb. You know, the Braves just got done with a road trip where they stayed 500, they stayed afloat, they're barely staying afloat. It's like, you know... The Braves are at the point of the season where they're like paddling with their head just above water and it's like sink or swim time here. So it's going to make for an exciting, you know, a series here against the Mets and all these games coming up before this all-star break is going to be uh, very important. And so good time to kind of be tuning into the Braves this season. You know, I know that things haven't gone great so far. They're still struggling to get up to that 500 mark, but this is a really a pivotal point in the season that we're approaching right now. Yeah, the week of June 29th. Braves are third in the NL East, uh, three and three since we last talked, which is like, it's, it's one of those, I, I was thinking before we sat down today that we, it seems like a common theme that we've constantly talked about with this Braves team is that there, it's been a roller coaster of a season. And I thought, you know, to this point, if you had built a roller coaster on roller coaster tycoon Based on the Braves season, at what uh, have we thrown up yet? Like it seems like at this point, just the up and down, the back and forth is like I I'm definitely feeling sick at this point <laughs> in the ride. And like let's get let you know let's get a, a really nice high. Let's you know stop so many little. Uh, it makes me think of the end of the Scream Machine where you're like back and forth, up just and up, down, yeah, up and just- down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, we need to go up Man. a little bit and, and have some more fun and less, you know, the the type of stuff that makes you sick, which is, I feel like it's kind of been the Braves currently. You're, you're, uh, you're making me nostalgic here, bringing back the Scream Machine, Roller yeah. Coaster Tycoon. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, I, well, it's, I was about to say, you, you speak of nostalgic. I, uh, just as a complete side note, I went to the movie theater last yeah. night for yeah. the first time in 
over a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely, like, w- when they started playing, like, trailers and things like that, I was like, my my ears are not used to this. Like, <laughs> it is uh, it is too loud like volume, in here. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I just hadn't prepared for it. Um, but... With what well, we what we got? No, go ahead, Joe. Oh, I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the kind of up and down, up and down thing. It's the same exact thing we've been talking about all season, where this team is just trying to get to that 500 mark. Freddie Freeman has said that once they get to that 500 mark, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna kind of explode. They're gonna kind of bust out of what's been holding them down and you know really skyrocket. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where this is a this was a really interesting road trip in that they they went 500. And honestly, it could have been much worse. Like this offense is really not producing much at all. They just scored four runs yesterday or Sunday for the first time. And I think it had been nine games since they had put up as many as four runs. Wow! Again, you had like four, seven inning games in there as well, but still um, not good at all. And so for that reason, I think you kind of have to be grateful that you did go 500. But then again, it's something I've been kind of railing on both on this show and then in interviews I've been doing on the station, which is that 500 baseball is just not going to get it done for you. It's not the goals that you set out to achieve, and it's not going to get you to the top of the division. So as as you know, fortunate as you might feel having had this road trip and kind of gotten through it you know, unscathed, quote-unquote, you really need to be more than being unscathed. You need to be doing damage against the division leaders or whoever you're trying to catch up to. And at this point, it looks like you got to win this division if you want to have a chance at the playoffs. So it, I, I'm kind of of two minds with this Braves team right now, but you just hope that they're set up well to take advantage of this series against the Mets. And then they have some games coming up before the all-star break here that you would think they could take advantage of against some teams that are not so great. Well, I will say before we get into specific game by game, uh, and that sort of thing as we look towards the future, it does seem like it's a, a a regular occurrence that when we get together week to week, well, we've got some new injuries to talk about. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, because it seems it seems like on top of Braves, on the top of the Braves not winning games, that this injury bug that they seem to be experiencing, that the city of Atlanta seems to be experiencing. I'll throw the Hawks in there with that too, because. It's just, it's one of those you just want to bang your head against the table because it's so Mm -hmm. frustrating. (laughs) Um, After we had already done the doom and gloom of, it seems like Mike Soroka is not coming back this year, even though Alex Anthopoulos is all, oh no, we think we're going to have him ready by the end of the season. It was like, okay, that's fine, but he's healing. They did the exploratory surgery, you know, got whatever stitches that like didn't heal or didn't come out or whatever they, you know, fixed whatever they needed to absorb. Yeah. They were supposed to be self-absorbing and they never did. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, but the, oh, we kept hearing the Achilles was intact, was healing, looking great. Awesome. We're going to, you know, get him back maybe at the end of this season, but for sure start of the 2022 season. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos said in that interview with Jeff Schultz in The Athletic that he was, you know, they, they were potentially aiming for an August return August, for him, August yeah. or September or something like that. Yeah. And that was, and, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. And then we get the news. Mike Soroka unstraps the boot. And I feel like in my head, this is how it goes. Unstraps the boot, takes a step, and just <laughs> falls yeah. down. You know, just <laughs> just flailing. But no, it's apparently from Mike Soroka taking off his walking boot and walking in the clubhouse. So those first baby steps, those first, yay, we're excited. We're getting back to a little bit of, you know, of, of something regular, something he hadn't been able to do in a while. And boom, Achilles, 
gone. Complete retear. And Mike Soroka is out until probably this time or later of the 2022 season. I feel like before we really get into this, we need to, you know, do the whole preface thing where we're not doctors. We don't yeah. know what we're talking about. We're yeah. clearly just kind of speculating on this issue. But now <laughs> let's speculate. God damn it. Um, you know, it, it's it, so uh, it, it reads to me. I think he came out of the walking boot a day and then it was the next day that he actually suffered the injury when he was again you mentioned it he's okay. just walking into the clubhouse and i think yeah. they they said that he was taking a step so he was probably just going up some steps into the clubhouse um but it, it seems really like a bad situation you know when you talk about having to remove a you know remove stitches that weren't absorbing and then goes into a walking boot for what a month or six weeks or something like that and then immediately you take it off and it's a complete retear of the of the Achilles. Yeah. Like that screams to me like something wrong something ha- well clearly something happened that wasn't supposed to happen and I, I you know I don't know who the surgeon was that even I was the about to say or, go or, ahead. or anything like that but I mean it makes you skeptical about what happened in that surgery and like all the things that followed from it. I, I mean I just have never heard of something like this happening. It it reminds me of like a you know, complete a complete retear. Like it just doesn't make any sense, and especially considering he wasn't really putting any kind of abnormal strain other than you know the normal strain that you would when you're taking a step on your Achilles. It just doesn't seem right to me at all. And I'm curious if they will go back to the same surgeon or if they'll choose somebody different. If it were me, I would definitely choose somebody different. But I, well, I was about to say the the word that you seem to be shying away from <laughs> that you were using very liberally in our uh-huh. conversations is one that. I have come around to, which is botched. I just wonder if the surgery was botched. I mean, it seems like the fact that you're you're picking uh, the surgeon and and now his name's blanking from me, but it's a guy who's done a bunch of these sure. up in uh, Wisconsin. And like, I mean, you're in Atlanta, you're flying to Wisconsin. Like, there's spec- there's obviously a reason sure, you're going absolutely. all of that way out of the way is a guy who does these really well. I feel like if you were to talk to the doctor, it's probably one of those, well, these are, you know, these are a part of the the consultation that we take every player through, that these are the possibilities that could happen, yada, yada, yada sort of thing. But it just seems like, why is it got to happen to Mike? You know, just. I know. Why? I, that's that's why? the worst part about this. It's the worst part about this. He's he's such a pro. Like, um. I'll never forget. I'll just like tell this story really quick. I'll never forget uh, after the 2019 season in the locker room when doing kind of exit interviews as players were clearing out their lockers. And, you know, the questions that you ask at that time are kind of, what are you going to do this off season? What are you going to do this winter? How are you going to spend your time um, going on any fun trips? It's kind of a lighthearted usually yeah. conversation because there's no games or anything. And like something that stuck out to me, a couple things. One was um, uh, Soroka mentioned that he doesn't have cable. So he's like, like, Pro athlete, has a lot of money, but still is like a core cutter, which really endeared himself to me. Uh, and the fact that he's just like, he's like, I, I only, I just like watch like Netflix and stuff. But I don't watch like, you know, anything that's on cable TV, which I found was very interesting. But huh. also he talked about, he was like, you know, I'm going to stay on my nutrition plan because I want to, you know, my goal is to make myself a world-class athlete. Uh, and then that was just not the kind of thing you typically hear, especially from a young player who's about to go into his off season. Uh, you're not think they typically don't talk about um, the ways they're going to improve themselves and per- to be able to perform, especially like nutrition based stuff. You might hear about guys talking about 
throwing programs or other, you know, act, mm-hmm. like technique training, but not like I just found that was um pretty interesting and it speaks to his level of professionalism and the way like how dedicated he is to try to make himself the best he can possibly be. And so that's why seeing him tear his Achilles the first time was devastating enough. And then for him to go through the whole thing to to try to get back. And it's crazy that we saw him pitch at the end of spring training. Yeah. You know, he was actually out there performing. And then for this to happen is just so devastating to a guy that you, you just, he's the last person you want to see happen to. Well, and I think you, you telling those stories perfectly explains away a part of the fan base who might be like, well, did he, did he not do something that he should have been doing and, you know, caused this? I don't think for a second that Mike Soroka was doing something he shouldn't have been doing that caused this. It just, it seems like for whatever reason, maybe, you know, maybe he just has a body type that didn't take well to this specific surgery. And that is why going forward, I have, you know, maybe some of that, that Eeyore syndrome coming back where I'm like, I don't, I don't see this guy coming back. I mean, I mean, he he might quite literally come back and play, but you talk about going, you know, now we're going to be going on two years of not really using your pitching mechanics like you normally would. Mm -hmm. Um, not just being in baseball shape or having to ramp it up and then lose it again, then ramp it up, then lose it again. All of the, and, and that's before we get into any psychology of like what goes through your head during, you know, a, a stretch like this where you've got to be going, why me? You know, why, why am I the one that this is happening to? So you go through all of that and for Mike Soroka to come back and be the dominant pitcher that he was before, it's going to take a really strong mental individual, which I just don't know if he is. I hope so. Uh, it's just, it's so unfortunate. It just makes you <laughs> just want to like curl up into a ball and just be like, you know, man, this is, you know, that this is that old Atlanta curse coming back, you know, just in a different way. It's just, it's, it stinks. Snit compared it to Johnny Venter's kind of what he went through with the multiple elbow yeah. surgeries. And yeah, obviously the injuries aren't the same, but it is kind of that same look uphill, that, that uphill climb that faces Mike Soroka at this point. And what he's the uphill climb that he's been on, you know, since last summer when he tore the Achilles, I will say the, the good thing going for him. I have the same concerns as you, by the way, like there's no telling how good he'll be able to be, you know, how effective he will be as a pitcher when he is able to come back at, you know, his top level. Um, And I think that honestly, you know, at this point you have to kind of set your expectations low and just hope that he can surpass those expectations. We can, you know, I hear what (laughs) your, your expectations are quite low, which I'm not, you know, discounting the fact that he might not, you know, ever be, um, you know, the top major league pitcher that he once was, but you know, I will say that he's 23 years old right now. He's still so yeah. young. I mean, we talk about how thing. young Waskar Yanoa is at like 21 years old and stuff like that compared to some of these other uh, prospects. And it's kind of crazy how young Mike Soroka is considering it feels like he's been around for so long now. Uh, when did he make his debut with the Braves at the major leagues? 2018, I think. I think um, so. So, you know, he's been around for a while and he's still only 23. So maybe the youth helps his body actually, you know, be able to recover from something like this quicker than it was if he was in his late twenties or early thirties or something like that. Um, and you know, he still, obviously if he is able to come back, he still has a lot of time ahead of him where if he, you know, he misses all of next year, 
he still comes back and he's what 25 or 26 like pretty much the same age as Kyle Wright is right now who we yeah. all still consider somewhat young although older for the kind of prospect level that Wright's at so all that to say is that there is still time for Mike Soroka and he's kind of fortunate that it has happened early enough where he may be able to better come back from this but it's still just hard to get over how devastating it is for him personally and then how much it sets back the Braves plans because obviously the Braves would have you know made plans when it comes to off-season signings and things like this with him returning uh, late this year and probably being a full pro- you know full season production next year so it's going to be tough for both parties to kind of reckon with everything that's happened you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, so you were, you were talking about Wascari Noah. We did find out last week that he has resumed uh, playing catch and mm-hmm. long toss throwing. I think he's another one much uh, Wascari Noah it was it was Mike Soroka, Waskari Noah, and Travis Darno that were all in a group that Alex Anthopoulos said should be ready by August. We'll see if that holds true, but it seems like both Waskari Noah and Travis Darno are progressing towards that being a possibility. Whether they'll actually do it or not is a different question. Uh, the the other bad news that we got is one that isn't getting the attention yet. That I think it will, which is Tucker Davidson. Mm-hmm. Tucker Davidson and his start against what was that Boston? Uh, yeah, I think so. Had the forearm tightness and then hit the disabled list. We heard from Snit back then, who was like, "Yeah, this is just a little thing that's popped up with him. You know, I he'll be on his little ten day stint and he'll be back. He'll be fine." And now Tucker Davidson has hit the sixty day injured list, which then. I started thinking about, I was like, forearm tightness, forearm tightness, hold up, forearm tightness that's bad enough that you need to hit the 60-day injured list, we're headed towards Tommy Don, Tommy John surgery. I mean, that was the fear, of, as soon as he left that game, I remember like Mark Bowman, a lot of the beat guys who were like, seemed pretty concerned about the way it had happened, when because his velocity had dropped, dropped when he was in time. that game, and that was before he got taken out, um, and it was kind of a relief the next day, well, after the game, when they said that he was pretty much feeling okay just that it was tight and everything and then they did the mri which didn't reveal anything structural or anything like that so that was good news but then yeah obviously this is not good news to see him set back i mean they obviously just want to be patient with him and his recovery and 
you know, he's at a kind of prospect level where they have a, the Braves are fortunate where they have other players that they can come, you know, bring bring up to replace him to an extent. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of those guys later. But um, it is worrisome. And I agree with you. I don't think we've I don't know if we've seen the end of this. I hope we have. I hope that it's just we don't hear another thing as soon as he starts resuming throwing. He just kind of ramps up as normal and becomes part of the rotation. That's obviously what you're hoping for. But, you know, with the, especially with the way that this Brave season has gone so far, you just never expect anything to go as normal and as kind of seamless as, as you hoped it would. Yeah, but that was just when, when I saw the 60-day move for Tucker, I was like, ah, okay, so we need that much longer. I was like, I feel like we're just pushing the inevitable down the road, and you're certainly not going to find it out from Snit. Like after the fiasco with with Mike Soroka and Snit just telling the truth and then clearly being told by Braves management or uh, Soroka's agent of like, hey, you can't be putting that information out. You're certainly not going to hear Brian Snicker (laughs) saying one way or the other about this injury. But it it just does. It's one of those that I was like, oh, and they kind of they they did it very quietly, too. Mm-hmm. Of of moving Tucker, just being like, oh yeah, yeah, that you know, just okay, yeah, that happened. Uh, we're moving on, sort of thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, okay, I feel like, yeah, I feel like you guys have already figured this out and are just you're going to push that news later down the road because it's like, well, we've got a we've got enough right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't need to add that one in there too. We will. Uh, and honestly, I think adding him to the sixty day injured list kind of uh shields them from having to make any decisions or announcements about how bad this injury actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also want to go back to, you know, cause you, you mentioned him, I will. And it, it to me kind of parallels with the expectations that we were talking about with Soroka. I have no idea how good, you know, is going to be when Absolutely he comes back. you know, like I think you have to totally reset. You have to be so grateful that what you got from him at the beginning of the season was good enough to give you a boost in that starting rotation when you needed it. But when he comes back, he's going to be facing so many different challenges. First of all, obviously, just like coming back from an injury, you just never know how guys are going to perform. But also, obviously, the whole foreign substance issue is something that he obviously wasn't dealing with when he was initially pitching. And maybe he was, you know, you never know what pitchers were using, something that could have given them some additional grip on the ball. And if he was, then that would be another thing that he has to kind of deal with. And obviously, his stuff was looking like vastly better this year than yeah. it had in the past. And especially even, I would say, actually, at the latter end of last year it started to get a lot better and then he was getting a lot more command this year so again with Yanoa coming back it's not like you can just assume that he's going to be the guy that he was and just drop him right in that rotation I think that he's going to be kind of battling for a spot uh, just like some of these other guys are but there was one guy in the starting rotation who is giving us a new sense of hope hopefully it stays that way and it doesn't get ripped from us but I mean the, the Braves keep sending up pitching prospect after pitching prospect and it seems like while in the past whether it was you know the the Bryce Wilsons the Kyle Wrights that were kind of like I don't really know about this it seems like we've hit a run now of you got Ian Anderson last year solid solid part of the rotation now you threw Tucker Davidson in behind that solid piece solid part of the rotation could be just has an injury now Kyle Muller comes in and maybe the first start wasn't ideal, but I th- I think he, at least to me, that whole, you talk about, you know, what the confidence of a pitcher look like, all of those little intangible things that may not show up on the stat sheet, but you get Kyle Muller on Sunday, 
look like that of going what went what five innings and gave up a hit didn't give up any yeah. runs like that's impressive what, nine strikeouts i think he had nine strikeouts yeah that's uh that's a pretty good day for a guy making his i think technically his third start ever but second start this season uh is this like do we start to be able to depend on Kyle I mean, I think you have to. Like, I mean, I think he's definitely going to be a guy that you you essentially slot into this rotating fifth role with Tucker Davidson, and you know he's certainly going to be a better option than Jesse Chavez, who we saw come back and pitch. Yeah, the Braves at the uh, he's like nearly thirty eight years old. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think what you saw from from Mueller was extremely. Um, heartening you know gives you a lot of confidence and I obviously it really gives him a lot of confidence too he talked about it after the game uh, that you know it's so important for a pitcher to have success early because it tells them that their stuff is good enough it plays at the major league level and is able to you know they don't have to do anything other than what they're accustomed to doing to get out major league hitters and so um that's a big confidence booster and then he you know he had a he had a a tough fifth inning. He got himself into some trouble, but he was able to get himself out of it. And he had a huge strikeout of Joey Votto at the end of it um, to get himself through his outing. And, you know, Brian Snicker just was going on about how important that is to uh, when you get in those situations, you, 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 you can remember what you relied on to get yourself out of them, what yeah. you told yourself, what kind of, te- what technique you focused on. And so that's a, just a very important part of the maturing process for a major league pitcher. And so, um, Good, really good stuff from Kyle Muller so far. Again, I know he got off to a little slow, st- slow of a start, like you mentioned, but really good. And I think that he, obviously the the place is there for him. And it's not like a guy like Kyle Wright's coming to take it out of his hands. You know, he was terrible when he threw. He he, he got a start and just did not look good at all. And uh, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you you talk about it. Is is that the end? Is that is that it? I've been I've been saying for a couple of years. I think that they would be better I think both parties both the Braves and and Kyle Wright would be better off trading him put him in a new organization where he kind of has a fresh start um because he's at the age now where he needs to he needs to be you know pitching in the major leagues and maybe that could only come about by pitching for a team that doesn't really have the kind of playoff aspirations that the Braves do right now because right now the Braves can't really afford to put him out there and let him get hit you know so maybe he has to grow up somewhere else and that's a shame because you know obviously he was like a top five pick or whatever but that's the way it goes, you know, and I do wonder, I will say, I wonder if he's also uh, fighting this whole foreign substance issue because he looked really bad in the in the one start since the foreign substance, since this rule has taken place. Well, I, yeah, I was and about he, to say, he, two, in, two innings, five earned runs. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was really bad. And going back to last year, I remember after his first start, after the uh, pandemic obviously delayed baseball and they restarted again, after his first start in the postgame press conference, he was complaining about how he couldn't use his he couldn't go to his mouth on the mound because that was part of the protocols and he like couldn't get a good grip on the ball. And so I wonder if he's, you know, struggling with that. I wonder if he I don't know if he used anything else or anything, but um, could be something that he's dealing with. And one of the reasons why he had such a bad outing. Well, and, and that's see, that's the thing when it comes to this whole foreign substance issue. And, and we've talked about it before is that I think pitchers are all they're so stuck on well, what, what can we use? Like, what's going mm-hmm. to look, because it's such a, a umpire discretion sort of thing, that you had, uh, I can't remember who it was, a couple nights ago, was the first guy uh, up in Seattle was thrown out 
And he was like, all I was using was the rosin bag and sweat. Yeah. Like, and I know Trevor Bauer last night, he got, when he got checked, the umpire grabbed his hand and like opened the palm of his hand and asked the other umpire and was like deep study of, you know, Did what smell we, test. Nah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of like, what is this? And I'm like, and that's why I'm on this. Like, it's okay. Crazy. Yeah. We're, it, it's gotta, it's gotta change from foreign substance. That word's gotta change to something else, sticky mm-hmm. substance or whatever. And it's like, yeah, if it's not sticking, if it's just shining, then that's just grip. Like you want grip. And you, you talk about Kyle, right? Like, uh, maybe struggling with that. He had some, he had some wild pitches, uh, in that start this past week, uh, against, uh, what the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Mets scored on one of his wild pitches. And so it's one of those, that, yeah, maybe he's dealing with issues of, of grip, which is what a lot of these guys are saying. And, and like, I know, and it's one of those, like, don't want to rehash old things. I know that this got brought up because guys were taking grip and then going the extra mile of, well, now we want spin rate, and well, now we want something really sticky and tacky on the ball. And that's why it's like, but you got to find some middle ground because you got guys over here. Now, you know, we've got to be worried about Tommy John surgery from guys. And now you got other guys who had looked good in the past, and now they can't grip the ball. They're, they got nothing. And, I mean, that that last start, at least in my eyes, that was something. And I remember in our, our uh, chats back and forth, texting was like, especially how Snit handled it after the game. Like, that's the type of thing that you never see him again because Snit, as a manager, is like, I don't trust him and I'm not wasting my time yeah, on exact. that. Yeah, so I, I, just, I think he was fed up. Yeah, and so but, it's just... <laughs> I want. I want to like with this whole foreign substance thing. It's ex- it's kind of exactly what we've talked about in the past with Major League Baseball implementing this, which is that they're terrible at implementing these kinds of rules and mm-hmm. you know protocols. And um and there's just it's so vague that yeah. It, I mean that's the whole problem, right? It's like you what consists of a foreign substance or a sticky substance or whatever. Is it suntan? Like are guys not well, allowed to use suntan lotion? And you know. If if the rosin bag, if the rosin moves up too far up their arm on the suntan lotion, is that cre- you know? It's just like there's so many permutations, and obviously pitchers are going to obvi- always trying to find not just an edge, but just give themselves a better opportunity to succeed by having a better grip of the baseball. So uh, it's just like this rule. It just seems like this rule was totally rushed. There they, there was not enough forethought put into it, and you've got managers demanding that umpires check guys. It's just out of control in my opinion it's just so terribly implemented well and also what's funny is that so rob manfred spoke with the athletic last week and was he was kind of drilled with some hard-hitting questions i can't remember the reporter who talked to him uh her mind's her name's blanking from me um but she was asking all of these like well why haven't you said any more about this you know why why did it take me having to go to your office and set up this interview for you to speak on the record about mm-hmm. all of this and he was like oh i'm will like anyone who wants to ask me a question oh I'll, I'll 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 answer anyone's questions and then she was like well how do you think it's going in this first week and his view of it going well was he was like well you're not seeing a bunch of pitchers getting ejected so clearly clearly the new rules are working 
And she was like, but what about all these pitchers like showing up the umpires and you, you've got managers, yeah, calling out other pitchers and all, you know, kind of thing and getting multiple checks in a game sort of thing. And, and he was, you know, essentially just brushing it all off like, like, a, uh, like the, I don't know. Uh, let me be nice. He's uh, so weak. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those. He was just like, it was almost like, you know, like, I don't right. see any problems. Like, let yeah. me cover my eyes. I don't see anything. Oh, everything's yeah. going well. It's just, it's so I'll, I, I, I clipped out a, a portion of him talking last year. There, the, you remember during last year during the pandemic, obviously the Marlins had an outbreak, and then the Cardinals had an outbreak, and it was looking mm-hmm. really bad. Yeah. And uh, he did this exclusive interview on MLB Network, and it was like, what I see. I wouldn't call this a nightmare, but like clearly, like, yeah, it was just like it, the weird. It's, it's one of those awkward. like the ultimate, yeah, the ultimate PR uh, yeah. head kind of thing. Yeah, uh, to go through, I guess, to get off all the negative and to get into something positive again, staying with rotation because, quite honestly, uh, I know the bullpen hasn't been bad recently, but it's just nothing that excites me to talk about. Yeah. Also, the offense. Not been anything to excite me to talk about. Charlie Morton, though, had another good start. Uh, also earned his, was that his 100th Dominant. win? 100th win. I think he had 11 strikeouts in the game. Yeah. That, and that's a couple back-to-back for him. Really good. I think both of those starts have been since this rule that we were just talking about was implemented. And he's the guy I thought would be affected by it the most because he spins the ball so hard. But his numbers are like one of the few of the hard spinners in Major League Baseball that haven't really dropped off at all. Uh, he says, you know, he worked out a technique thing with the pitching coach with yep. Rick Kranitz and um, whatever it was, uh, it's working. Yeah, I'm honestly, it's one of those like, I'm glad he's in, you know, the Braves clubhouse. So hopefully he can pass that wisdom along yeah, exactly. to these other guys. Because, yeah, whatever he figured out with spin rate that is obviously not linked to foreign substance has been incredible. And while. I feel like early on in the season, we kept talking about him having performances where it was like, if you look at the stat sheet, it looks like he had a bad night. But it was honestly like one or two pitches mm-hmm. that really cost him, you know, you know, be a grand slam here or a multi home run there kind of situation that made it look a whole lot worse than it was. He was also not getting run support from the Braves. But in these last few starts that he's put together, I mean, it has been masterful what he's done. And this last one being, you know, a a scoreless outing uh, against the Mets in a series that, you know, the Braves desperately needed to take some wins away. And that's it's one of those that's the that's a relief amongst all of the chaos going on with this pitching staff that if he's pitching well, then at least you can depend on that Uh, and just. You get the you get the maturity out of him that is just so nice. It, it's one of those. It's a it's a great piece to have uh, in your clubhouse. That I don't know. You just isn't around so much anymore. Yeah. Like not not to be that guy who was like, oh, these kids these days. But like for real, it's just to have a what is he thirty six, thirty eight, something like that. Thirty seven, I think. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to have that guy in the clubhouse. As just a voice of reason and then also performing well is just ideal. And and you've heard him speak. You know how kind of introspective he is and how much Very. he cares not just about, you know, himself, but about the game in general and the teammates and all that stuff. You couldn't really ask for, you know, a more kind of 
veteran type of pitcher to be leading a rotation than he and I say leading a rotation you know obviously there may be some younger guys Max Fried and 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 players like that who might put up better stats and they might be leading the rotation from a from a production standpoint but I really do think that he is the kind of leader of that group with the experience that he has and these starts that he's made have been so important for this team because again the team is not scoring runs and so they need these kinds of performances and uh, you also have, you know, we didn't even mention it when we were kind of running through the injuries, but, you know, Max Reed had a blister, so he's missed a start there. You know, the, the rotation has been in disarray right now, and you really kind of needed some sort of stabilizer. And I would say like that is probably one of the reasons why the Braves are still in this competitive landscape right now is because it seems like they have gotten those performances out of some pitchers that they've needed at various points in the season. We talk about Waskar Yanoa kind of being that guy in the beginning of the year where they just needed somebody to produce no matter who it was, and he was going out there and giving them reliable, long outings of really good baseball. And mm-hmm. these last couple of games has been Charlie Morton, and you, and you just hope that that continues. And the good news is that I don't see it being fluky whatsoever. In fact, I think that it, the fluky stuff was more of what was happening to him, like you mentioned, yeah. where he was having these one innings that were just kind of blowing up his starts. But uh, he's been able to avoid those lately, and that's huge for this team. He's also very self-aware of not only himself, but the team. Yeah. He said something this week that I thought was was pretty pretty crucial to, you know, essentially, it was, it was like he was saying it to himself and his teammates of, they're aware the Braves have got to start winning games or... You know, we we talk about getting closer to the trade deadline and what flashy moves the Braves are going to make. Well, Morton was reminding us all, it ain't going to happen if they don't win games. From a an organizational strategy going forward, like into the break and then into the end of July, I mean, certainly if we can't close the gap or maintain, you know, a closeness in the standings and certainly like, you know, it, it's just a reality of it. Like Alex is going to have some tough decisions to make, you know, if we, if we can't stay close tough decisions to make (laughs) that that see the interesting thing about charlie saying that that wasn't just alex isn't going to be able to go get us more players like that was Mm -hmm, alex is going to have to start selling off for the future and some of us may not be around here and that was like Thank you, Charlie Morton. Thank you for speaking the truth. Because I yeah, don't think absolutely. I don't think that all these guys understand that mm-hmm. that because of where the Braves have been the last few years in contention and right up there and adding pieces and adding pieces, this is what it's like to go back to not winning and being bad again. Is that your general manager is forced to go? Hmm. I got this guy over here who well. It's not really going to help us for him to be here this year, but he might help us get a piece that's going to help us a year or two years from now. So you're gone. And I mean, that's like, that's a real reality of this team. And I'm so thankful that at least someone in that clubhouse knows. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why Charlie Morton may be more open to saying this, obviously he's a veteran, so he probably feels more confident in kind of speaking like this, but also you know, he's a guy that would be one of those players who yeah. if the team is not in contention, then he's probably thinking already, like, I could be on a different team by the, the end of the season because he's only on a one-year contract. And at the end of the day, you know, Alex Anthopoulos' job is to set this team up to win as much as it can. And if they can't win this season, then he's got to set the team up to try to be in the best position to win next season or in the future. And so he's not doing his job 
if he knows this team is pretty much going to be out of contention for the playoffs, he's not doing his job if he's not trying to set this team up to win in the future. If he's, you know, I would expect, I would kind of expect a guy like Charlie Morton to be dealt if this team is clearly out of it by the time the trade deadline comes around. So Charlie Morton's probably thinking along those lines as well. He's familiar with how this all goes down. Um, and yeah, I, I just wonder if other players think about it that closely, but he's right, you know, and it's something that none of us have kind of wanted to think about potentially this team selling off pieces. It just seems so um, out of the realm of possibility from when this season started, but clearly now it is in, in the realm of possibility. And um, I mean, one guy, so we got to talk about Freddie Freeman here. He's Go not, ahead. yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously on his last year of his contract. We've well documented the issues that he and the team have had in trying to sort out a, a contract. I would still be shocked if they were to trade him, but you got it. Like what if Alex Anthopoulos, he knows how these negotiations have been going. And if they're thinking there's no possible, like we're not going to meet these demands, there's no possible way we can meet these demands. And he could just walk at the end of the season. You know, it's like, you don't even want to, I don't even want to say the words <laughs> that, that like it would happen, but, and I don't think it will happen, but you can't discount, the possibility of it happening. Well, it's also one of those, I think part of the conversation that maybe, I mean, we haven't discussed enough and I haven't heard it is that Freddie Freeman is not playing himself into more money at this point. Like yeah, true. It, it's, it's honestly, it's too, it's too Freddie's detriment right now that this contract isn't done because I mean, while here, relatively recently it's one of those like oh he hasn't looked bad recently he hasn't he hasn't looked great he's not a guy who's winning the Braves ball games and so it's one of those like your your money I have to assume from the Braves aspect is like they're like oh okay cool well this is this is working into our side of the negotiations of not giving you as big of a contract and so then you have to think yeah I mean you thinking psyche and from Freddie's agent side of well, I mean, we're not going to give you less money just because there was one bad season. You you go back and forth, and yeah, then all of a sudden, boom, uh, Freddie becomes uh, a massive trading piece for something of the future. Yeah, uh, when there is some uncertainty of oh no, was 2020 the best that it got? I'm not saying that it is. It's just like that. This is what losing opens up. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. this is, and I, and I and I say it again. I don't think that people realize it enough. Like it, I get reminded of like back when Justin Upton was here, and like he was such a great offensive piece. Andrelton Simmons, such a great defensive piece. But these guys got dealt because the Braves weren't winning, and it was like, well, we can get more for them right now than we'll ever get in the future. Now, I'm not saying that they necessarily did those deals right and they mm -hmm. worked out in the long run, but it's just the fact of like, this is the, maybe not the desperation, but like this is what goes into general managers' minds when you're having this type of year. And we've said it time and time again, Joe, you've said it on this podcast and on other places that like the Braves, it, it's not a, we think, the Braves have to win this division to see the postseason, to see their season end not in early September, but to keep on playing. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, like the, Alex is not going to wait around till August to be like, uh, 
yeah, maybe we should do something in the offseason. Like, no, right. he's going to be like, oh, okay, we're still third at the All-Star break. And, All right. And, and, that's why, and that's why these games are so important. And, again, it's why, like I mentioned at the top of the show, but this team is three games under five hundred. The Hawks mm-hmm. are on a run. It's very easy to kind of tune out this team as kind of just a mediocre, eh, we'll get them next year. But, really, there are more longer-term ramifications for what this team is doing and what this team – you know, can do over the next couple of weeks. And maybe it goes the other way. I'll be the optimist here and say that, you know, if they sweep, let's say they sweep the Mets and, you know, win what the, I think they have like 12 other games or no, they would have nine other games before the all-star break and they win like um, six of nine of those, you know, then all of a sudden you see yourself within a game or two of first place. And Hey, if things are totally different, maybe you then go out and add pieces. You feel like you have a shot, but if it goes the other way, then that's when these tough decisions are going to come into play, and that's exactly what Charlie Morton was talking about. Yeah. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So speaking of the schedule, we've got three games coming up starting tonight against the Mets. You immediately go on from that series, continue at home against the Marlins. So you've got back-to-back, um, you know, division opponents that can help you slide up or slide down mm-hmm. or stay right where you are if you split like you have been doing these past few series. Uh, you squeeze in between uh, a road trip to Pittsburgh, and then you finish out before the All-Star break down in Miami, who Miami made a move today. Uh, I was trying to look. Oh, did they? Yeah, they made a trade for somebody, uh, but I don't know if it was to their to their benefit. All right, let's see. The Blue Jays are acquiring Corey Dickerson and Adam Simber from Miami. Um, so it seems like for infielder Joe Panic and a minor league pitcher. So it seems like that might be... That's interesting. That looks like the Marlins maybe selling off a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are down there. I think that they're probably, you know, probably out of it. Uh, you know, they're clearly more out yeah. of it than the Braves are. But, you know, the Braves have struggled against the Marlins so far this year. I know. And it's a team, you know, um, a team like the Marlins, you, you, they're very easy to overlook. But these are teams... First of all, the Marlins have a ton of great arms, so they're always going to be very dangerous anytime you go and play them. And they're a team that can just like blow up your season. You know, if you struggle against them in games that you should win, then, you know, those are games you're essentially losing to the field. So very important games. And again, very winnable games, though. And, you know, you got the Pirates in there as well. Braves really dominated the Pirates for most of a four game series that they had earlier this year at home. So. Um, you hope that they can take advantage of this time. They have to take advantage of this time. The gap right now to the Mets, I think it's four and a half games, and it yeah. cannot be four and a half games by the time you hit the All-Star break. Very true. Well, uh, Joe, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? 
I do want to have a longer conversation about not necessarily the foreign substance thing, but there was a really good article on ESPN, I think by Jeff Passan or um, Passan. I always get his name wrong. Um, it may not have been him, though. He may have just shared it. I think that's it, actually. Anyway, it was about Theo Epstein talking about different rule changes that the league could be making, uh, more elegant solutions for some of these issues of the high strikeouts, the low batting averages that I thought was really interesting. Extending the ma- the length of the pitcher's uh, rubber to the mount to home plate is one of them. That's interesting to me. So maybe there are some other issues. I want to get into a little bit more, but we'll do that next week or sometime down the road when we have more time to talk. Sounds good. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to batter up. If you're tuning in on, on Facebook live, we always appreciate your questions. Make sure to send them in and we will uh, do a better job of responding to those as we're, we're talking through the show. <laughs> um, thank you for everybody who's listening on the Odyssey app. Go out and download the podcast or wherever you listen to a podcast. We're there. So for Caleb John, or for Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Thanks for listening to Batter Up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.